Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 94 of Midweek Metagame. I'm Harry MTG, joined by my two regular co-hosts, Patrick Orbison. Don't mind me, I'm desperately trying not to lose the storybook brawl right now. <laughs> okay, and uh, Gabriel Nassi. Very professional, Pat. Hey, everyone, what's up? Well, well, well. Pat's playing some video game. Gav hasn't really played much Magic this week, and I'm kind of uh, skimming by with what I've played as well. So this is going to be an interesting episode. But yeah, today I think is just going to be all modern. Um, we're going to talk about what we've been testing. There's also been a modern super qualifier, two modern challenges. Wafo Tap has been being a beast this weekend as normal. So we're going to be talking about his decks, talking about our testing, stuff like that. But before we get into all that, as always, well, not actually as always, we've got a new Patreon this week. Mariku, thank you so much for supporting our content. Thanks, Mariku. Yeah, appreciate it immensely. It's always always nice to have new people who join the Discord. Welcome uh, welcome to the team. Yeah, yeah, I guess if those listening, if you would like to uh, join the Patreon, no pressure to do so. Best place to support us, patreon.com slash midweekmetagame. Content will always be free, but that's the best place to support us. And uh, yeah, I should also remind you that the podcast is sponsored, brought to you by Card Market. I need to let you know that it is a marketplace online to buy anything card game related. It doesn't have to be Magic the Gathering, it can be Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, whatever you like. You can sell on there, you can buy cards, you can buy sleeves, you can buy deck boxes, everything. Just go check it out. I mean, I can list off the infinite things that they sell. Cardmarket.com or cardmarket.eu, they're legends. Um and yeah, I guess that's about it for the intro. So why don't we just hop into things modern this week? I guess I'll start it off because I was really kind of intrigued by the band control list that we talked about last episode. This is the one that we saw uh, Watu and Mr. Cafulet play in the Modern Challenges. I believe they played in both uh, Saturday and Sunday last week. So obviously I had to try it out. I thought it was perfect clickbait. Stream for card market. And I think I went 4-1. Yeah, I did go 4-1, and my only loss was to Tron. And I think in game three, oh, I remember now. I think they topped it like four Karns in a row or like three Karns and an Ugin to win. It was kind of disgusting when they were hellbent. Um, but overall, I really love the band deck. I think Ice Fang Kodal is extremely underplayed right now. I think we all remember those times we were playing Uro Ice Fang Kodal. Those were amazing. And obviously, Dragon Rage Channeler having to attack is really nice with Kodal. Also, it, it gets dashed Ragavan a lot. I, I know I keep repeating this on the podcast, but against a lot of control players, all these Ragavan decks, they hold Ragavan to dash because typically your only removal spell is Prismatic Ending. So they're trying to play around that. But obviously, if you have a Kodal, you can just flash in, block, and if you're lucky, they don't have a removal spell. And if they have a removal spell, then it's, you know, a bit of a two for one. Um, I was, can I just say something about this deck? When I yeah, saw it, yeah. the, I was not on the cast last week, obviously, but when I saw it uh, in the deck in the deck dumps, I was just astounded by how low in creatures you can go and still have a Femurate be a scary card. Mm. I thought that was just a combination of like, you know, Codals, some Witnesses, and like a couple of subtleties. That's all that Wafo has in his deck. And it's just, it's still really scary because I played against this online once or twice now. And I, I sit there and I, I, I'm essentially in like panic mode, going kind of like, do they have a Femurate? Do they have a Femurate? And like you said, Codals is just perfect for trading off with Ragavan without putting yourself at a disadvantage. Mm hmm. You had a chance to play this deck this week, right? Yeah, so I 4-1'd, and then I 3-2'd. Um, I think the... Th I'll count as a 3-1, because I basically just went 3-1 drop, because my internet was so bad. Um, but what was I going to say? Yeah, Ephemerate in the deck is insane. I'd never really considered Ephemerate as, an, as a control card, obviously, because when you play creatures, you turn on your opponent's removal game one, and then blah, blah, blah. But with 4 to Fairy Time Raveler, as well as Factor Fiction, I feel like the Ephemerate is just in the graveyard a lot of the time, or, or your opponent literally can't interact. So like a lot of the time I went Factor Fiction and there would be an Ephemerate and a Witness in there, and then, you know, what does the opponent really do? You don't want to give them together. If you separate them, you just play the Eternal Witness and obviously get back the Ephemerate. So that was nice. Um, Factor Fiction was also nice just in general. I haven't cast that card in Modern in a, in a long time. I think in general, the list was really good. The only thing I would complain about is um, there was only one Teferi hero. You know, with four Counterspell, four Archmage's Charm, you want to be in those spots on turn five, turn six, you have Teferi plus Counterspell. Um, I felt like I never really got to do that, as well as just like Teferi plus Ice Fang Kodal is really good as well. So I feel like 
you know, the list isn't perfect, obviously, when only two people, it seems, have worked on it. But I really, really like the deck. And honestly, I think this is my favorite control deck right now. I don't know if it's the best control deck, but I really like all the play patterns and how it's really lined up nicely against, like, all the Ragavan decks. And then as well as, like, I crush the two Ren and Six decks that I played against it. It almost felt like it was unwinnable for them. I had that much instant speed value and stuff. Yeah, they played the, the list was two ephemerates because they did. That's the one change they made, I think, from Saturday to Sunday last week. They were playing four, I think, on Saturday, and then they went down to two. Yeah, I played the two one because I didn't really understand. Not understand. I didn't really like going to one. I wanted to. I mean, the thing is, I'm. I wanted the like the clickbait value, and if people hate it when I only play one copy of a card, so played the two ephemerate one, and I never had. A problem where I was flooding on them. I actually thought like I wasn't drawing it enough. But obviously, there's only two copies, so that's tough. But I really, really like Double Ephemera. I mean, you got four to Fairy Time Raveler. You got Witness. Like, uh, what was I gonna say about Ephemera? As uh, the the kind of like Elementals combo, whatever, evoking Solitude and Ephemerating it. That was really, really sick. I think the only thing you could complain about is I feel like maybe there's not enough white cards to consistently be able to pitch a white card and have ephemerate available sometimes i had to pitch the ephemerate to solitude but i i really like to ephemerate i didn't see a problem with it how, how did you keep up against strong in that one match um like it be a bad matchup just like outer control decks yeah it was tough game i think one game they just had natural tron and then i won I think I went like Counterspell, Charm, Snap, Counterspell, Factor Fiction, and that one. That's good enough. Just by beating with, I think they milled. I mean, I did not, I did not like that Tron matchup at all. It was, it was terrible for me. But yeah, that that matchup actually seems like your worst matchup, to be honest. But I have only played two leagues. I haven't really seen like every deck in the format. You know what I mean? Tron's on a bit of an upswing. I know a couple of weeks ago when I was last on the cast, we were kind of wondering whether or not Eldrazi Tron and Green Tron were the kind of new flavors of the month, but they seem to be doing well over the last couple of weeks, putting up a couple of a top eight here or there and just getting a little bit more of a presence in the metagame because I've definitely played against it once or twice and been like, oh, I'm unprepared for this. Yeah. I think something I should say about the Tron matchup actually is a lot of the time the Tron player will go turn one map, turn one sphere, just ending it. If it's a sphere, you're trying to color screw them. If it's a map, obviously you're taking away a Tron land. That comes up a lot, and I generally feel like I win those games as control because they, you know, I think you ruin their whole plan normally if you just exile their one drop. So that's generally the games that I win. And then, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, a, it's a tough matchup. It's not a good one at all. I, w I wasn't trying to imply that it was. It's not like you have very good targets for ending anyway, so it makes sense yeah. to just kind of fire it off and hope you hope you get lucky, especially if they're going to be mulliganing a lot, you know, digging to that hand that just, just puts Tron together and has the threat and rely on having the seven mana available or, or more to just top deck top deck great things if you can if you can keep them off balance with a card that was otherwise dead. That's just perfect perfect exchange of resources, particularly in game one, I guess. Mm. There was actually only one Tron, and if you take the three top eights combined, there was only one Monogreen Tron, no Drazi Tron, so kind of a down, down take actually this week. I, don't, I didn't look at top 16s, so maybe, maybe they're all uh, top 16 finishers, but... Uh, I believe there was a blue Tron somewhere in the top 16. Oh, wasn't that... Was it Trillon? Was the crazy... I saw a crazy list was... What was it? It had Krasis? It had two splashes. It had a splash for Krasis... I think I had a splash for something else. It was kind of a, a wild. Uh, maybe it was just in a prelim or in a league, but yeah, trail. Yeah, here it is. Now here it is. It's in the uh, it's in the modern challenge for the Sunday, and it is blue red Tron more or less. So it has uh, fury and hydroid crisis, fire ice, four Valakut awakening. Yeah. Yeah. What a deck. F Fury's kind of been the card. Everyone's playing Fury. Everyone's adding Fury to their main deck. The you know whether it's the Rhino deck or the Glimpse, the Glimpse Elemental version. They're playing four Fury in the main. Good enough for Tron apparently for that weird build. But uh, that card's been just everywhere and just really strong cards. Yeah, I've I've been really impressed with it. And it's just the kind of mainstay of 
many different decks at the moment. I've even had I've even seen blue red Merktide lists with some on the sideboard. Yeah. It just it just it's just so good against Hammer Time, really. That, you're really struggling against that deck when you kind of don't get to clean up all the kind of chaff that's lying around and make yourself vulnerable to yeah. vulnerable to kind of you know getting not just nickel and dimed out, but just providing them with too many too many ways to kind of suit up suit up something with a pure steel or cigar's aid. Yeah, these elementals are good against S for Sentinel too. It's nice that you don't have to pay the tax on it. But wasn't Fury the cheapest one, kind of the the quote unquote weakest yeah. one? And we're kind of joking that it's going to end up being the best one. Yeah, I feel like we were profits at the beginning. We we're like, I don't really think these ones that people are excited about are that good. But have you seen this green one and this red one? Yeah, yeah. I have to go back. Feel like it's a little. Uh... No, no, let's let's not go back. Otherwise, less less we be revealed to just be <laughs> looking favorably on the past. But let's pretend. Let's assume that we were right. To begin with, yeah. Well, I've played a bit of modern. I played a league for CFB with Glimpse. It was a viable Ash who had a, a good good week slash weekend last week. I think it was like a, a top four in a challenge, a, a four zero in the prelim, a five zero in the league, and it was just the the kind of the old version, the the Glimpse elemental deck you're trying to. To glimpse Omnath and make treasures and foods and whatnot and get the the red uh, Chancellor in play that that kind of that that version of the deck and um, I give it a go. It was pretty close to to the original deck people were playing in the original version I tried. The the big differences were four Fury in the main and only two Omnath. They had the Season Pyros and they had the the Tracker that makes your food or treasure um so i I like that build i thought it was smart i know fury is great right now it's also gives you potentially an extra permanent if you go you know evoke fury and outburst on the stack that's kind of cute that can be good just solid card to cast and i I liked only two omnath that card is just really hard to cast when you have four colony garden and basic forest in your deck it's really hard to cast on turn four um, you know, I think when I play the deck and maybe when other people play the deck, they were like, well, that's my only like kind of good card I can cast. So I should definitely play four. But, um, you know, the fact that it's legendary and whatnot, those glimpses is kind of relevant and not that easy to cast. So I, I think I, I kind of like that. You also least... don't make a huge, huge kind of things to do with the, the excess mana it can create as well. It's not like you really, really desperately want to cast your spells. Yeah, that's fair. Time. So you're not like casting it, playing a fetch land and going like, here's my insane five drop. You're going like, cast it, sack a land, here's tireless provisioner, and I'll sacrifice a clue and draw a card. Yeah, but uh, yeah, they were just playing, I think, all the, the right creatures. Sideboard was pretty good. They actually knocked me out of the, the top eight last week or a couple weeks ago, and those was lay, lay line in the sideboard. I had four lay line of the void in the sideboard. That, that got me good. I thought their sideboard was so. I played in the league. I went four one. That deck felt good. It, it was pretty consistent, and I, I I liked it. And then I I saw you know I wasn't too sure what I was gonna play this week on stream. I've been kind of semi vacation, just streaming a few hours a day maybe. And then I saw Waffle just had an amazing weekend. He came in. He won the Saturday challenge with straight up blue white control. And then he ran it back in the modern super qualifier and he either got second or split in the finals. He's a Hall of Famer, but as a Hall of Famer now, you get a, you don't get to play the, you know, you, you don't qualify for the arena tournaments or the big tournaments right away. What they're doing right now is that they're giving all Hall of Famers a direct pass into day two of these arena PTQs. So you don't have to play day one, you just go straight into day two and then you get, you need to go like, Seven two or better, I believe. So that's that's a current deal. So he he you know he he's going to be playing. Uh, that's kind of cool. Uh, I'm not sure how much arena he plays, but he's going to be playing the next uh, arena championship next year. So congrats to him. And I think it was against Oscar Franco playing Living in the finals. But yeah, I you know I saw the list. It made sense, and I, I had to give it a try. So what the so he went was. Basically, he's playing, you know, kind of classic Waffle, four counter spells, four charms, two cryptic, two factor fiction. So he's playing factor fiction over Jace at four. And as for Planeswalkers, he's playing four Teferi Time Reveler, which is just still amazing right now, 
we see it every week, but all this cascade decks, all you know, just just really strong card right now. Teferi Time Rabbit is the busted blue-white card. It's like from this kind of last two years or so of or of really, really obscenely powerful cards. Like every kind of color combination roughly got something really obscene. And Teferi Time Raveler is the blue-white one, in my opinion. It's you know, maybe it's gonna look back in time and say it's kind of a mistake not playing like, you know, the full four copies when we had the opportunity in any blue-white deck. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they got banned in a bunch of formats and um you know, that's something I was doing with my Jessica list, I think, when I was playing all these removals. Uh, I think I was playing three or four. I think it made sense. Yes, two Teferi, Hero of Damn in area, no Jace. So that card's, you know, it's good with Counterspell. And on turn six, it's good with, you know, you, a lot of time you just play on turn six. And on tap, you have Archmage Charm up. Um, he's not playing Path to Exile. He's playing two Chalice of the Void in the main deck. And, uh, you know, his only quote-unquote one-mana spell is Prismatic Ending, which obviously you can you know, pay pay more for, even if you're killing one drop. So that's pretty cool. He's not playing the 4-4 Chalice. I like that. It's not like you're a prison deck and you need to have Chalice or else you're you're kind of screwed. You know, it's kind of like, okay, it's really good in the format. I get to play it. It's not that easy to build a deck that gets to play Chalice of the Void. You know, you usually have to play one drops in Modern or one mana, one mana cards in Modern. That deck kind of cheats a bit of that. Obviously, it's also a downside. You know, when you're on the draw and you look at your hand and your first play is a counter spell, or even sometimes you have to keep hands that don't have a, a, an ending or two mana spell. You know, I, I played a couple of leagues with the deck, I had to keep these hands, and sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't, but uh, it's a price to pay. But yeah, I like it. Two chalice. If you draw it, great. And it's probably going to be good for you. If you don't, it's not the end of the world. Um, what else? Free Supreme Verdicts, four endings. I, after playing the deck, I would actually probably play four verdict. It's a card I love right now. I, you know, that was one of the reasons why I was playing that Jeskai deck too. We've been seeing how good verdict is in every matchup. Every every almost every good deck in modern is a creature deck, whether it's Elementals, Hammer Time, the Ragavan decks. Pretty much every deck's creature based. Even Living End is a is essentially a creature deck. They they cast their living end, and if you can if you can just verdict them away, they only have three copies of living end in the deck. They can only go off three times. So having having a way to kind of yeah you know, make them go again in that matchup is pretty pretty powerful. Yeah, they can obviously have outbursts or whatever, but it does add up. It does make it ha- harder and harder for them to to get you. Yeah, the common sequence as well against the blue control decks like I did with like Archmage's Charm and Counter Spell would be they go end at end of turn they'll. And a turn violent outburst, untap, untap and cast shardless agent. It's just a fight through the counter spell. And if you just have verdict in that spot, it's just there's suddenly there two there two living ends in the bin, one left in the deck, and all the creatures are in, in the graveyard. How do they really win? Yeah. Um, what else? He's playing four shark typhoons in the main, which is, you know, just instant speed, flexible. Well, I, re- I remember when I was trying blue-white last, I think I was also playing a lot of Shark Typhoons. I just wanted my deck to be as, you know, as, as not, you know, little clunky, or how to say it, but, you know, not uh, as uh, less clunky as possible, I guess, and Shark Typhoon does that. It was a card I think I was boarding out a decent bit, but I think it's solid game on cards, always going to do a little something. It helps you a bit against stuff like Nexus. You don't have a ton. You don't have Taft Exile, so you don't have a ton of instant speed removal. And Shark Typhoon helps a bit there. It's also just you know you're not playing Jace. You really you, you do tap out for Fairy Time Reveler or Hero, but you're not tapping out a ton. Um, so that card was good. And then he was playing you know a few one ofs, one Snapcaster Mage, one Solitude, one Wall of Omens, one Spreading Seas. I really like that. You're playing four to fairy time revelers, so you want these value targets in the mid game, and um, but you don't want to draw too many. As I've been impressed with solitude in these decks, I could see maybe playing a second one. It's just nice, you know. You we we said we said you don't you don't have a ton of cheap cards, so that makes up for it. Also, kind of insurance against people have been playing creativity. That's a nice answer to an Emerical or Velomachus. It's nice against that's for Sentinel, and it's it's a great honestly it's a great value play on five. I, you know, a lot of the games I could play it earlier, but I f- I feel like I can hold it off and play it on five. 
maybe get to the bounce it or you attack for some lifelink. So I, I could see a second copy of that. Um, spreading well, it's, seas. It, yeah. It's funny about so, you said about solitude because when when it got spoiled, I think we were sitting there being like, oh, do you really want a two for one yourself? Or like, you're really going to cast this like a value play on five? It's pretty mopey if it's like it's just an ecrotile. And here we are. Yeah. No, no, it's been good. So. Yeah, his mana base was, he had one hole of Storm Chines, that's a new man land. Um, but then when he ran it back, he made two changes from Saturday to Sunday. He cut the Wall of Omens for a second Spreading Seas, and then he put a Colonnade instead of the, the blue man land, and then he added a third blue castle, cut a fortress, like minor details. But I was a bit surprised. I, I thought Wall of Omens, I think Wall of Omens is pretty good right now. It protects her to Fairy. Cheap card, white card for solitude, um, spreading seas. He had the second one in his sideboard, so I guess you know he moved it to the main, and then he had an extra slot for his sideboard. His sideboard was also fairly unconventional. Mm. Uh, I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll just read it. I'll just read it. He had a second spreading seas. He had free Dobbins veto, free Flosser storm, two sanctifier and Vec, one celestial perch, two explosive, one fracturing gust, and two summary dismissal. Summary Dismissal, definitely the card people ask me about the most when I was streaming the deck. I believe it's just for Eldrazi, especially Mono Green Tron, and anyone who's trying to cast big monsters with Cavern of Souls. So Titan and Mono Green Tron would be my two first guesses. Maybe you bring it in against E-Tron. I'm not exactly sure. And um, yeah, I believe that's it. So no no disputes, no clicks. What else is missing? No monastery mentor, but you're not playing opt, so mentor gets a bit worse. Uh, I thought the sideboard was decent. I'm not the biggest fan of explosives. I tend to to maybe not bring it in enough. Fracturing gust is also a little sketch. Triple white's not always trivial, and there's a lot of matchups where it's good, but where it's going to be too slow sometimes. You know, if Hardened Scale has a good draw and you don't have a ton of interaction, you're going to die before you get to five. Kind of same for Hammer Time. Sanctifying Vec is a little awkward. It's double white and you're a Verdict deck. So there's a lot of matchups where you kind of want to bring it in, but it's also matchups where you're leaving all your verdicts. So you end up not bringing it in. Um, I kind of like free vetoes, free fluster storm. I'm not sure you actually need dispute. Dispute is is kind of good if I guess there's maybe more blue red and the the, the it counters the blue creatures, which is nice. The the Merktides and the the sprite dragon, but people don't really play sprite dragon anymore. And you know maybe you're a bit worried about blood moon, so veto is a bit better against that. And against the cascade decks, I think fluster storm is one of the best cards you can have in your sideboard. So that makes sense as well i'd be really impressed with plus storm out of the blue decks just kind of default default two copies in most of my sideboards at the moment and even thinking about putting it in the main occasionally i haven't gotten around to doing that yet but it's you know, really impressive at the moment with people casting so many kind of cheap and effective spells and also yeah, the cascade deck in particular just having one mana mana leak against that deck is really powerful yeah so after playing the deck i'm not sure i would change too much i think i would try and fit a force verdict maybe second solitude and maybe if you're playing four verdict you can you know play that second solitude maybe play that first force of negation keep people honest now that the list is out there people who get paired against blue white they're just going to assume you're they're playing against waffles list and they're gonna be okay i don't have to worry about force of negation so maybe mix it up a bit and um but yeah i i thought the build was smart and it, it played out pretty well i went Free one in my first free lamb. I was actually undefeated in the games before the last run, and I ended up losing to Rhinos, which seems a bit weird when you have two Chalice for Teferi in your main deck and a bunch of counters. I think I ran a little bad, but it's kind of classic Rhinos. Even when you think you have a decent matchup, it still can grind you out with Bone Crusher Giant or Jace or Vendillion Click. So it's pretty resilient deck. I know, Pat, you're not the biggest fan. I saw you say you wonder how that deck wins, and... I felt kind of the same, but whenever I play against that deck, it's always really, really close, really tough. You talk about Rhinos, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I, I, I respect it. I, I, I acknowledge that it's a good deck, but at the same time, I, it doesn't. Something about it doesn't quite sit quite right with me. Like I don't really understand why it's lining up so well. 
yeah and then second prelim i uh i went one free i got i lost to red green elves i never saw a verdict but i think these that elf matchup is actually tough even with a bunch of sweepers in your deck they have the Elf that, that red generates their other elves. They're pretty explosive. I played against a version that had Bloodbraid Elf, and I think they also had Magus of the Moon in their sideboard. And that was kind of tough. Obviously, I never drawing a verdict's gonna be really hard to win. I lost to White Black Grief that just had turn one grief. They just had the not spoke games, like turn one grief was a blank effect. That was pretty tough to to beat. Uh, I wasn't able to top deck, and then I lost one to Hammer Time, where I just, I think I literally punted two games, so that was kind of on me, but I, I was impressed with the build. I like it, and I think I'll probably play it some more. Maybe if I play challenges this week, and I'll play it maybe a few tweaks. Yeah, I think I really like, the only comment I want to make about Waffle Tapas list is I really like Factor Fiction, and I only just kind of realized, like, I think the biggest weakness with Archmage's Charm is you always feel like you have to draw cards, but when you have like a heavy hitter like Factor Fiction in the deck, I, I felt like I was in a lot of spots with these lists where I was fine countering with Charm and then Factor Fiction. I think that's the one change that I really like that kind of pushes it over the edge for me and that makes this deck uh, good. It's a really good point, actually. I've From playing Archmage Charm recently in, in Blue-Red Merktide, this tension between do I need to hold this to counter because I don't have a massive amount of counter magic versus I'd like to keep the cards going is a real a, a real struggle but if you have card something in your deck that lets you pull ahead in such a massive way like fact then you get to just use the card Archmage on flexibly whereas you might feel pressured in other situations to have it you know keep 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 momentum rolling rather than protect yourself it's good to see it back in modern uh, and getting some play again it was it was pretty popular when Uro and um Mystic Sanctuary era, well legal, but now, yeah, now we're back again, and, and it's fact of fiction time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I agree with what you said, Ari. You get in spots where you're happy just use Archmage Strong to counter because you know you have fact and you, you can just maximize the mana. Um, you know, also no no field of rune in the mana base. Only only one planes and. And two, two, even um, what's it called? Two mystic gates mm. to filter that white mana. So that was nice. That was never a spot where I couldn't cast Archmage Charm. That was pretty awesome. Actually, it was one spot. That was one of my mistakes. I actually played the wrong land and then tapped the wrong land and I had to play a plains or a white castle and I couldn't cast Charm, but that was on me. So, you know, that was cool. I did not get paired against Tron, either Etron or Monogreen Tron or Titan decks. Uh, I'm not sure Titan decks are super popular right now, and we said there was an, even a ton of Tron in, in the top eights last weekend. So I'm not sure how much these two summary dismissals can carry on these matchups because there's not even a, a single Aether Gust. Wafo just really knowing what he wanted to beat, you know, not a, not trying to cover all his bases, just trying to beat the, the Cascade decks, the Ragavan decks, you know, the, the red decks, etc. So, yeah, I think that for him, this, yeah, he definitely this summary dismissal is definitely targeting a green Tron, in my opinion, and not, and and so he's chosen that he's chosen his hate cast with that matchup rather than trying to spread himself thin against multiple different big mana decks, just like, assuming that Annual Titan's not turning up, and he's yeah. going to ha- only going to have to beat green Tron. Which Still... I think is nice. I also think that like you're gonna get a little bit of mileage out of summary dismissal against a deck like Titan because they can't bail of summer you anymore. It's like really nice against Bail of Summer, obviously. Yeah. Another, another, and obviously Cabin as well, which you mentioned mentioned previously. So you kind of get two birds with one stone there, whereas a card like Feel of Rune isn't actually particularly impressive against Titan, but it's uh, obviously pretty solid against Tron. Yeah. Still it's kind of surprising not to see even the first copy of Rest in Peace, especially when you're only playing one snapcast from Age. That's always been on All Star in in modern, and you, you know you do have Living Index and Croxa decks. Maybe I'm forgetting something. Even see Dredge once in a while show up. So yeah, there was a Dredge shop eight this week as well. I think it would be. I think just talking about Living End a little bit and it's it's kind of rise in in the format is probably worthwhile. It's kind of cascaded cascade decks in general, kind of the top the top tier at the format at the moment. I think, or at least putting up the biggest like share of the metagame. Between rhinos turning up everywhere, and then 
living and having a pretty damn good weekend, really, from all things considered. It was, it was the first place in the in the BDQ that Waffle came second in. There was another copy in the top eight. Uh, there's top eight in some of the other challenges as well. And they're all on this kind of grief version, which is essentially your innovation from early in the format, Gab. So this kind of this has become the the way you build this deck, and it's seeming it's pretty damn powerful. It seems to be like kind of like the premier graveyard deck, at least at the moment. Yeah, people still haven't caught on on subtlety in the main though. All depends. People usually don't. I, I still kind of like subtlety in the main. You don't need it, need it like you need cards like Force of Negation and Grief. But I feel like it just played out nicely in most matchups. Um, yeah, Levigan's been doing well. I don't see a ton of Ragavan decks in in these top eights. That yeah, that it's was been, it's it's been a lean week for for Ragavan in general. I think that the formats at least adapted Elementals in particular was a really it was a really tough one to to overcome. That matchup's really quite hard if you're trying to put Ragavan and hope to get your Dragon Rage Channeler in. Just trying to nickel and dime them with a limited number of creatures when they have you know subtle solitudes and and blink and then a lot of things to gum up the ground you know to fairy time ravel it and make make it hard to lean on counter spells you know that in combination with with cavernous soul is really tough for you know blue red murk tide and maybe and for, for for black red as well just get outvalued and don't get a board position so how you possibly win yeah so that that might be the reason why living in did really well because these matchups were tough whether it's the blue ragam index they just go turn one Ragavan with a bunch of counter spells back up, or the red black Flores deck that pressures your life totals. Have discard, you know, game one's pretty good usually, but after sideboard when they get these one or two void mirrors and these uh, these spell bombs, matchup becomes really really hard. So um, if if Ragavan's on the decline, it it makes sense that living in the is is climbing because the the living in the next bit good for me against. Yeah, these elemental decks, um, most of the Ren and Six decks, you know, like something like Velomachus, you usually have enough disruption to to beat them. You're also pretty decent against the other Cascade decks, against Rhino, and you're you're good against Hammer Time as well, um, especially after your, after sideboard when you get um, the, the 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 green evoke creatures and even sometimes the the red one, as well as Force of Vigor, well, and or Force of Vigor. So yeah, that was that was a good uh, you know I think it was a good good meta for the blue Waffle's blue white list and because uh, I would guess his blue white decks you know probably struggles against Ragavan was only four endings so that might be why you saw Waffle do well and why you saw Living End do well. Yeah, I, I agree. Though. I was going to make the same point. Waffle seems to be positioning himself really, really, really well against cascading spells. You know, his four to fairy time ravelers. But not worrying too much about getting small balled out of the game. It's the right the right time and place for a deck like that, and I, I think it presumably has has some legs. I mean, he's made de- deck building decisions that give him outs in those matchups. Like obviously, Fort Ferry is good. Chalice of the Void is great against uh, said Blue Red Merc Tide, and then Shark Typhoon is again like you're not relying on actually resolving a spell to to present present blockers and again against a, against a Ragavan or a Dragon Rage Channeler. So there's a lot of elements of the deck that, that work really nicely in that matchup, but I think overall it'd be pretty hard. You know, Ragavans get out of control pretty pretty fast if you only have four ending. Someone points out in the Twitch chat, you know, you re- mentioned uh, playing Rest in Peace in the blue-white sideboard, but, you know, now we have the Sanctifier, the white-white 2-2, pro-red, pro-black. Do you think that Wafo's list should be playing Sanctifier or Rip? Because obviously Sanctifier is much weaker against Living In, so... Even I'm not even sure what I would really do. I guess split it, maybe? Sanctifier is really good against red-black, but it's still a matchup where you probably want to keep your verdict, so I'm not too sure. I can't remember exactly which matchup it was, but I remember playing a match or two. I was like, oh, Sanctifier would be kind of nice, but at the same time, um, you know, it's a bit awkward with, with verdict, and I don't really need it, so... Would have would have to go through maybe the in and out and figure out if you're on Sanctifier, if you're on Rip, do you even need Graveyard Hate right now? Because you're already pretty good naturally against the Living Index. The double white's also a reasonably big consideration for Sanctifier. I think the power of Sanctifier comes from how how good is it at blocking creatures. And if Ragavan's on the decline, or if if you're like Wafo and you're weak against Ragavan, maybe you wanna maybe you wanna just put a little bit more 
put a little bit more power into that into that matchup or a little bit more tools into, into your arsenal for that matchup by playing Sanctifier. But if it's not attacking and blocking, like it's not really a good attacker or blocker against rest in, uh, against living end. Sorry, so I probably prefer rest in peace in that matchup. But it depends where you're. Depends where you want to gain percentage and where you're willing to make some sacrifices. I think. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I didn't get paired against Signal Ragman Index in my eight matches. So yeah, I think the double white's not too big of a deal actually in this list. He has a, a lot, I think it's like nineteen or twenty, and he has two Mystic Gates too. Has a lot of white mana. It still it still obligates you to fetch it up relatively early because you presumably want your graveyard hate quite quickly against decks the way you're bringing in graveyard hate. So it stops you having you know, access to counterspell early on or archmage charm if you have to go out of your way to get it. I guess it's only a single basic plane, so maybe you just take bite the bullet and just take two off, off a shot off a off a hallowed fountain or whatnot. But yeah, exactly. Or you know you have glacial fortress too. You have the the triumph obviously you're gonna fetch a blue eyed dual in on turn one. So I don't think that's the, the big problem. But yeah, we even saw there was even a copy of burn in the top eight. So maybe there's a couple matchups where it's nice. You know maybe against uh there's like few reanimators that going around so it gives you the blocker for grief as well as uh, yeah I, I could see sanctifying like you know i'm not super excited about recipe is just so weird you know it's it used to always be like oh i want to play snapcaster but then i also want rest in peace and that's always been awkward and now you're barely playing any snapcaster and you don't even bother with rest in peace which is not something we're used to but kind of makes sense rest in peace is pretty good against ren and 60 ren and six always kind of a scary card even though this version, I guess you have vetoes and you have four endings, so you're not as worried about uh, a Ren and Six necessarily. And there aren't even very many Ren and Six decks in the format right now either. Yeah, it's kind of the card that's fallen off. It's like Velomachus deck, I guess. That's been pretty popular and doing well. Oh, yeah, that's, 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 that's definitely true. There's also there's actually a, in the Super Qualifier, and I think it's 10th place. I'm just going to. That's in 9th place in the Super Qualifier. There's a very nice Ren and Six deck, which is. Uh, Four Dragon Rage Channeler, four Ragavan, four Tarmogoyf, three Ren and six. And then it's Expressive Iterations, Lightning Bolt, Fire Ice, Unholy Heat. And then then it has the artifact pack. So it has like Baubles, Aether Spellbomb, Shadow Sphere, Soul Guide Lantern, Springleaf Drum. Oh, that side. deck, yeah. That deck didn't look great. Actually, I was watching Zanzayet stream this morning and he played a deck and I only got there at the end and he said that deck was awful. And well, I'm let's... not super surprised. It looks kind of awkward as the mana, the Urza Saga. Also, one spring leaf drum was like spring spring leaf drum was what twelve creatures in your deck? That's super yeah, suspicious. Six, Sixteen. There's there's Urza Sagas as well. They All can't. right, sorry, my bad. You make make a construct and then your circuit goes away and you fetch up drum and you can use your construct from that. I understand why it's in the deck, but I, I that's so sketchy. Um, I, I agree with you, but it's still it's still my quest to point out every time someone pairs Ren and Six with Urza Saga because that should it should be great. I can't I can't figure out why it's not great, but I think it's probably tied to the fact that it's like a tap for colorless mana. And it doesn't let you cast red and six. Just too hard on the mana, because you need the color mana, so you have to play a lot of lands, and you're playing red and six, like red and six makes you want to play less lands, but you have these colorless lands, so you can't cheat on colored mana or else you're not gonna be able to cast your spells and then you just end up flooding out. So I think that it might be a the, the clearest example of the fact that Renan's, it's not a Renan's, that Urza's Saga is an incredibly good spell, an incredibly good land for modern, but not a good enough spell. So if if you're playing Saga in your spell slots, which you kind of have to if you're playing these Renan's six decks and expressive iteration decks, it's not quite as good a, good enough of a card to justify justify the deck building constraints. But if it's tapping for colorless mana and that's doing something meaningful for you, like it's casting your cookbooks or, or, or it's casting your your equipment or your your artifact creatures then it's an incredibly powerful card yeah yes i think also there's a little anti-synergy where you, you you have a lot of mana sources but the the urza saga deck usually wants to play a lot of cheap cards and you don't really want to play all cheap cards when you're gonna you know you're gonna have a lot of lands you know you want to kind of take advantage of, of that extra mana so it's kind of a weird um how do you say a weird yeah. tension, I guess? I don't know how much you spoke about with and- Andrea about this, um, his, his like, I guess, Teamer, Teamer Merktide deck that he, he'd been playing. So Merktide Regents and Tarmogoyce with no one drops, and he's got Ren and Six in that deck. 
and I played a little bit with it as well, but one of the things I found was that it was really hard to find ways to take advantage of having all this matter available to you when Ren and Soup got going. And so when I was when I was building it and, and tuning it a little bit, I was you know adding more Alchemist charms, and then eventually I just decided I was put, put some cryptic commands in my deck, and it starts looking completely different. But you're right, not having a way to maximize having all that excess mana in your deck is is a, is a real issue, and it's a, a, an anti synergy with with what Saka really wants asks of you is to have a bunch of cheap stuff in your deck. Maybe you need to play that red enchantment. There's there's two, right? There's Seismic Assault, and then there's a one one red enchantment where you have to pay a red, you discard a land, deal two damage oh, or something. Magmatic Vortex or something like that. Yeah. Something like that, yeah. All right, all right, here we go. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Going, yeah. I think, honestly, the reason why Saga isn't that great is because Astrolabe's banned. <laughs> I think I think if Astrolabe wasn't banned, you'd see way more Ren. Let's not go there. Let's not start speculating on what would happen <laughs> if Astrolabe was not banned. Yeah, I know, but I think I think it's possible. I I watched uh, Cherry X Men play a really cool Team Erec deck with Ren and Urza Saga. I think it can work. That worked. Um, I think the problem is though that your one drops or zero drops you can fetch are like so weak and. You have to build around an artifact synergy, really, to make the constructs good. That's my opinion on it. Yeah, that's fair. You need the artifacts. I never thought about Reclamation and Urza Saga. That's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, because you can like make a load of dudes right with yeah. the trigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's sick. Yeah. Urza Saga and Teferi too. <laughs> it was um oh to fairy hero okay magus of the magus of the moon the very first weekend i think he was playing he thought we did a, a challenge with blue white controllers or a saga in it yeah but you, can, the stone, you can the stone ring yourself control yeah you have a few you have enough one man artifacts that you know you get you get decent value you either get a bubble or a pitting needle you can play the one-off expedition map in these control decks so you can kind of chain a, a couple sagas Either spell bomb is is okay-ish, I guess. Mm, I'm not I'm not convinced, honestly. <laughs> well, we haven't seen it since, so <laughs> I'm not I'm not particularly convinced either. But at the same, you say which Teferi, but it's actually synergized nicely with both of them. I think mm. you can use Teferi three mana Teferi to bounce your own saga oh, okay. and go again. So you can like make a construct rebuy and then have some more mana again. It's not oh. particularly powerful, but it's some interaction. But yeah, obviously, but... pretty sweet untapping it with Hero of Dominaria. Wow. About Mangucci's deck, I think he just said the deck was fine, you know, he enjoyed it, and it was kind of his take on it, nothing special. Yeah, I, I, that's the kind of feeling I got as well. It was it was pretty good. I don't think it was as good as Blue-Red Tide is, but yeah. at the same time, it was cool to play with Tarmoglyph again. That kind of gets really big really fast at the moment between the Sagas and everyone playing Baubles, and yeah. Tarm that was yeah. that was a 5-6 or 6-7 quite often. Yeah, Tarmoglyph's Good card right now. Yeah, sometimes it's just fun, you know. You you don't want to play the stock deck. You just, you know, go with your your spin on an archetype, and you know it's you know it's not gonna be like amazing. You know you're, you know, changing four cards or eight cards is not gonna change everything, but it's just fun to innovate a bit. And I think the says for the clickbaits, clickbaits are important. Exactly. I think one of the problems with the direction that Andrea was going was like, oh, I just want to invalidate people having lightning bolts and unholy heats, but you just can't do it. Like lightning bolts, good, it goes to the face, and you know, unholy heats just does so much damage that no matter what direction you really take your deck, like it just still winds up killing a creature. Like I would not have any not have any you know, ragavans or, or dragon race channelers, but I would cast a big murktide region. My opponent would be like lightning bolt unholy heat, and I'd be like, okay, you've been waiting for that to do that for a while. <laughs> it still destroys my card. So you know, here here we are. Like my you know. It's kind of difficult to get your Tarmogoyf out of Unholy Heat range. So it was definitely, a, and obviously it kills Ren and Six as well, not quite, quite, quite cleanly. So yeah, I was, it's a cool idea and it was really fun to play, but it was not something that I would go out of my way to do anymore. Ooh. It's hard, hard getting an hour of modern content, eh? <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think I can keep going. Okay, okay yeah, keep I'm going. What fine. deck next? What's the next deck? Yeah, what else What else stood out to you guys this weekend or this week? Well, I thought that the top eights were just littered with Cascade decks, as I mentioned previously, but this, I, it's also full of Hammer Time again, which mm. I guess is not really a surprise. I saw some really cool cool tech from one of the Hammer Time decks in the Super Challenge, though, or the Super Qualifier, though, which is um, in 12th, 12th place, I believe. Someone is playing blue red, uh, no, red, red, white Hammer Time. 
and they're splashing red for wear tear in a sideboard, but also mag- magnetic theft. I think it's called magnetic theft. Yeah, that's they're right. in 11th place. Yeah, yeah. Magnetic Ooh. theft, which red is one instant. red instant, attached target equipment to target creature. So just more ways of slapping a hammer on a creature, this time at instant speed. And yeah, it's definitely yeah. Something, something that I would kind of like definitely get you if you were playing some kind of reactive deck trying to thread the needle against these sort of decks. Yeah, you probably see a red mana, you're like, oh, maybe like Galvanic Blast or some, some sideward card. Nope. Magmatic Theft out of nowhere, and they get to play four wear tear on the sideboard. That's kind of a card that was maybe also missing from Lothless sideboard. You do you do have the one Rogrant Triumph, which is probably enough to uh, to cast wear tear. So maybe maybe that's maybe that's a card. Maybe instead of playing all these explosive engineered explosives and that fracturing gust, maybe trim an explosive, trim the gust, and play a couple wear tear could be could be nice. Isn't there also that um, Nahiri Planeswalker that's like plus one attach and art equipment or something? Yeah, yeah you're a Lurus format spell though, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, true. Wait, there's no Lurus in this sideboard. Oh, it says including companion. Oh, I didn't know how MTG Goldfish works. Okay, I'm done. But um, yeah, I've been seeing a lot of Hammer Time still. I guess, I don't know. I guess that's really because a lot of the time they fetch hammer from the saga and if you don't have priester paladin you're in a tough spot but i found that the biggest the biggest thing against hammer time is that i've started bringing in graveyard heat because the real problem is you remove everything and then they lure us you so yeah i don't know i've I've definitely seen hammer hammer time on a downswing right have you guys been seeing as much because i honestly the most popular deck i see in leagues right now is mill i play against mill all the time Oh, I haven't played against Mill, and uh, I don't think in either of my 13 matches, Hammer Time's still pretty popular. There's a lot, there's just a lot of good decks that are decent yeah. almost no matter what, whether it's Living End, Rhinos, Hammer Time, all these decks are kind of super solid. Something like Blue White's a bit more niche, I think. You have to pick your spots, get it, get the metagame right and the build right. Yep. I agree, and it's just a standard modern issue where there's just so many different takes on different archetypes, and you know, even if it, maybe it's a little bit narrower now than it has been in kind of you know, if you look back a couple of years, modern is certainly still a diverse format where you can do whatever you feel like. So it's not surprising that you you see no hammer, maybe you see no hammer time, but Gab sees hammer time, and I see a little bit or whatnot. And the truth is like somewhere in the middle of all these all these all these answers. Are you ready for my next hot card that I found in someone's sideboard? Let's go. Weekend. All right. It's blue-red Merktide. I obviously went looking for blue-red Merktide list. And there were three in a row in the top 16 of the Super Qualifier. But in 17th place, Stream, or underscore Stream, is playing, you know, what looks like completely standard blue-red Merktide until you get to the sideboard when you see two Cloud of the Dominus. The heck Which, does that do? Exactly. Exactly, Harry. What, <laughs> what is that? So it's a, it's a, it's an, it's an aura. It's a creature enchantment. It's a one hybrid is it mana the cast. So a blue aura red. The enchanted creature, as long as the enchanted creature is blue, it gets plus one, plus one, and has shroud. As long as the enchanted creature is red, it gets plus one, plus one, and has haste. The heck? Exactly. Only one mana? Is it that cycle that the blue-white one gave, like, is it Steel of the Godhead? It's the Steel of the Godhead cycle, but it only costs one, because it's it's presumably not not particularly powerful and limited if you try to put more mana on it. But I think the notion is that you cast your Merktide Regent, and then you give it shroud. What What deck are you doing that against? I don't know. <laughs> but, okay, let's let's think about it. So it's not just about instant, like opponents with like terminates or whatnot. It protects your Merktide region from Teferi Time Raveler. It protects your Merktide region from Brazen Borrower. Um, I understand the, the idea, like what 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 you're going for, where you go for it. I'm not really certain. And in the, in a pinch, you can just cast Ragavan and make it a three two and send it. I don't know. But it's what also you a just way of giving. Off. The two answers. I know. I know you can just dash it. No, but Borrower and Teferi both bounce this enchantment. <laughs> yeah, but then you've got to go, you know, bounce the enchantment, then deal with the deal with the creature. Yeah, yeah, okay. I think you're trying to set up a situation where it's that gives you buys you the time to untap and protect it. But it was definitely something that jumped off the page at me. It's not a card I've seen since playing like even tide limited or whatever. Mm. Yeah. The deck in 18th place is also pretty sick as well. It's a neo neo form affinity. No way. Oh way. What's in the What's in that deck? So it's 
it has 10 seven drop affinity creatures. So it has uh, four of the Sojourner's Companions of the Affinity for Artifacts. The Mirror Enforcer with Artifacts, Artifact Land Cycling. It has four Thought Monitors and two Mirror Enforcer. And then if you Neoform, it gets Crater Hoof <laughs> for him. <laughs> what? Exactly. Actually, wait, I've seen this before. So I've seen people try to do this with like Gristlebrand, like try and go get Gristlebrand off the seven drop affinity creature. But I think Crater Hoof actually makes a lot more sense. Just because your deck's like Frogmites, Memnites, Ornithopters, you know, a bunch of just bunch of junkers, basically. That's pretty amazing. You can just go you flip, can, flip hoof and get you, it done. You probably really. get in some grindy games too, where you just get to cast it because you have, do you know, you have two Glimmer Void, two Spires. Yeah, you have four of the blue, red, green land. You have four drums, and you're playing all these thought casts and these thought monitors. So in grindy games, I'm sure you you get to eight mana sometimes. Yeah, that is probably not unheard of. It it tilt the shit out of me if it happens to me. That that looks amazing, honestly. Affinity is always going to be these frogmite frogmite mirror enforcer decks. That's what truly is affinity in my in my mind from kind of back in the mid two thousands. So it's, it's nice to see those cutting casts again. But just behemoth is a, such such a good thing to flip as well. It's kind of surprising you don't have. I feel like the deck should have maybe a five drop because you have four frogmites. So maybe uh, or try to find a really good five drop. Is neoform plus one or plus two? It's plus one exactly. Yeah, yeah. I guess you need to play. Maybe, yeah, if you could find one or two five drops to go with Frogmite Neoform, that could be cool. Maybe a one drop, just so you can Neoform your your zero sometimes. Maybe I don't know. It'd be good Gilded Goose. That doesn't sound very exciting. You might want to make a one mana artifact creature so that you can at least go get it off as a saga as well. Could just be an Arcbound Worker, honestly. Yeah. Or whatever the whatever the strictly better Arcbound Worker is these days. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, those are just some cool things that jumped out at me. Uh, I mean, we can keep going. When you said there was no Tron as well, uh, or Big Mana, there's a lot outside of the top top eight of these of these okay. challenges sitting in the kind of X two bracket. So there's kind of you know eight in nineteenth place. You know Tron. There's a couple of Trons above it in the top sixteen of the Super Qualifier. Yeah, I think that deck's just maybe it didn't have the breakthroughs, but it, it was definitely played in in reasonable volume this week. Yeah, that's that's what happens a lot of the time. You're like, oh no, and then the top eight, but if you scroll down a bit, um, oh, we got a raid from Andrea. Welcome, everyone. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, not in the challenges, but there is a really cool deck that forwarded one of the most recent prelims. It was Spider Space. Uh, you know, he he's a brewer. He usually plays Death and Taxes decks, but he he's been he's been playing other stuff recently and comes up with some cool builds and this is reanimator slash indomitable creativity and he's just trying to put archon of cruelty in play that's two archons only creature there's two sarah's emissary in the sideboard and one void widower so for you know maybe i think sarah's emissary is really good against elemental i believe because they can't deal damage they can't solitude it yep maybe, it's maybe creature and you're good it's usually yeah it's usually pretty good against the, the affinity decks too even that that deck's not really popular, but uh, yeah, uh, uh, it's pretty cool. It's it's Grixis. So you have the Persist on Mark Grave package. You also have Heart Evidence Creativity with um, I'm assuming you got four Dwarving Mine, and then for Utility, you know, for Card Advantage, you have Adoration for Utility. You have Inquisition of Kozilek, Fatal Push, Lightning Bolt for Smart Command. So really cool build. Uh, I played a bit of Archon of Cruelty, whether it was White Black Reanimator or the Glimpse version was Eldrazi, and I was super impressed. It was, I think Archon was one of the only creatures I played that was not an Eldrazi in that Glimpse deck, and I was always so happy to flip it, you know? It was, people were like, oh, you're playing Archon in that deck? Doesn't seem quite good enough, but it was always super, super solid. So, not really surprised, but uh, yeah, really, really cool, really cool deck. And um, four, I like his sideboard too. Four Fluster Storm and four Alpine Merlin. He knows, he knows which kind of a bit like Waffle. He knows which cards he wants. He knows what's what's the problem, and he's not messing around. I've been really impressed with Archon of Cruelty whenever I've seen it end, end of play. It just does a lot on the front end, so that even if it gets removed, it's not the end of the world. You just you really recoup a reasonable amount of value, and you get to go again if you're this kind of. Essentially, what is like you know, a, 
essentially a combo control deck, and it's just really hard to recoup. I just, I, I really like it. It's got a lot, a lot of text for one mana. I guess it's like mini cruel ultimatum, right? That's kind of what what the reference is. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, I, I I like this this deck a lot. I I love that we're seeing the power of these other Mystic Sanctuary cycle of cards coming to fruition. I just we're seeing a lot of Dwarven Mind decks right now. I mean, if you've got a lot of mountains in your deck, there's nothing wrong with getting a free one one, and you can turn it into a lot of different things. I mean, they they printed you know between that and the printing of Hard Evidence gives you a really good way of you know making these polymorph polymorph decks really super consistent. I'm surprised we haven't seen stuff like Gingerbread Cabin yet turn up to make a free treasure or free food, sorry, and and get some value like that as well. People looking for artifacts or whatnot. People people have played the the when were people playing the cabin? Maybe in the Urza decks and some of the I think Urza yeah, decks. I think I've seen I've played against some like Yorion Cabin Cabin Urza decks before. Yeah, I'm not sure how you know, correlation between your win rate and having the cabin in your deck, though, it's probably not a, not great. Um, but yeah, that, that's, uh, you know, anyways, what I played, what stood out to me, you know, people kind of didn't do anything too crazy in the challenges, but it's nice to see that even months in, there's still new decks, new archetypes coming up um, from, you know, a lot of the the, the brewers and the modern streamers that's always cool i think this is the healthiest modern we've seen in a long time there's not really one busted card anymore yeah somehow right despite all the insanely powerful stuff going on yeah. a lot of these decks feel like you know living in i think a lot of these decks you can just define them as really really strong but still you know you have kind of your connors or no, a lot of time the matchups are close to 50 50 you know that's definitely how i felt was living in i felt like and that deck's so busted on paper you get to 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 cycle cast a bunch of free spells and turn free bring back a big, big board but somehow that deck's not even like you know it's it's one of the good decks but it's not busted or anything and yeah. you know same with rhinos you have all these free spells you ice their land into two four fours and then you have more free spells and interaction and hammer time just kills you on turn free and I, I think one of the reasons this has actually happened is that when they went and, when they went and made Modern Horizons two, they made a bunch of powerful standalone cards, but they also put a bunch of power into interaction across the various different colors, and so all all different kind of color pairs have essentially been brought up to parity in terms of being able to interact. So yeah, pretty much like cards like Unholy Heat, and then like you know cheap threats to get like to get like, the Dragon Race Channel and the Ragavan kind of package essentially has really really added another element to the format that lets you if you need to be able to keep degenerate things in check there's tools to do that you know counter spells and pressure and then there's a whole bunch of other really powerful things going on that kind of that essentially we're seeing the first kind of like cycle through a couple of cycles through of like you know what's good and what's not in that cycle but it's a combination of not just like making this busted threat but making like really good efficient answers as well that goes with it it's certainly um this is maybe a little bit tangential but um I actually turned up to uh, Paper Magic for the first time uh, in two years, more or, more or less, on last Friday. I turned up at the local store here. I just wanted to get out of the house and do something, so this was an option. And I went looking through my modern collection because it was like modern night, either like that Friday or the Friday after. And I just completely obsoleted what what was essentially a reasonable set of modern staples that are in my collection. So, uh, yeah. Trying to get back into Paper Magic gradually is uh, is difficult after after two or so years off with these new updates from Modern Horizons. Yeah, so we all have now. I only played with my friends. I had a few friends over. We cubed. That was, that was fun. I actually Sick. cubed a couple times this week, yeah. We played in a weird way. Our cube is like, my friend's cube it has a ton of really bad cards, cards you would almost never put in your deck, but there's a lot of cards. And we do, uh, it's a really cool, We that's what we've always done you know, for the past 25 years, ever since we've, we, we've cubed. But uh, we, we split, each player gets two piles of cards. We just split the cube evenly. And then you just flip over the top cards. So, like, usually we have four players and we play two on two. And, um, you know, so you have eight piles on the table. Someone picks one and then you keep going. So sometimes the piles get really large because there's a bunch of shaft. And then sometimes, you know, you, you take this the one like, card pile when it's a Lotus. 
This is Winston. You're just describing Winston draft, right? It, it's not Winston. We called it Solomon draft because of, oh. you know, the Solomon split. Yeah, the yeah. Okay. Solomon, so, King Solomon, etc. But I thought Solomon, my understanding was that Solomon draft was the fact of fiction variant where you kind of flip up a, a pile of five and the other person splits it. But honestly, I just, I love all the kind of non-standard draft variants that you do in kind of small numbers yeah. with, with small tables of people and yeah with it whether it's you know winstoning or i don't know if you've ever done grid drafting before no what's grid drafting up, you, you flip up top nine cards three in a in a 3v3 arrangement and one person picks a row or a column and then the other person picks a row or a column from what remains oh, and then cool. you put the other cards aside yeah that sounds fun yeah, no, but yeah, honestly, I love all these heads up and yeah, micro micro format uh, yeah. from Cube. Yeah, I don't think we really had a name for the draft. As we just said, we called it Wadge, you know, like what, like Magic, but it was a W, so Wadgic. Um, and it's really fun because the draft lasts forever, which the draft's kind of the best part when you play limit anyway. So you, you draft forever and you end up with like so many cards and. It's a cube that has basically every combo, every archetype. It has like a lot, you know, so you can, you know, a lot of the time you end up drafting, you know, kind of a value, value decks with the good cards, you know, the Pyroblast, the Hydroblast, the, the spoilers you get, uh, you know, the power, the the good two for ones, et cetera, maybe the utility creatures, but you can really do kind of whatever, especially if you kind of know what's going on and it's fun there. I wasn't a big fan. The power, though, sometimes that's a bit frustrating. Obviously, it's fun when you open power and you get the power. It's fun, but then in game, I, I kind of like unpowered cube. I think because in game it just ruins it. You know, if you just go ancestral recall and cast a couple of recalls in the first few turns, and then you can even recall your 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 team. It's it's game starting out a little super competitive, but yeah, that was that's I'm, fun. I'm I'm of the the opinion that pow- the power in cubes gets more fun the less powerful the cube is in general so if you have a, a cube that's really not very powerful but then has like moxes and lotus and ancestral in it it's actually kind of great because you have this like what essentially i imagine the kind of original like alpha kind of like gameplay to be where you have this massive power spike but you draw a bunch of like scape zombies and like hill giants and it doesn't really do anything so i my friend used to have this cube which was weather lights and backwards so it was just all really old stuff and if you opened ancestral in that you would cast it and you you would just draw absolute rubbish it was just so bad like the best thing you could possibly draw was like muhammad Jin, but uh, just unplayable artifacts from antiquities are in this thing like it's just yeah i'm three cards ahead but they are just all absolute just toilet paper it's just so I'm, I'm with you as well. Like when you kind of have these games where you ancestral and it draws you like a counter spell and then a combo piece and some acceleration. Yeah, it feels a bit kind of tilting and swingy. But I, when you just draw nothing off your ancestral or you accelerate out like a grizzly bear, I just that's that's pure magic to me. I really enjoy that that side of power. It sounds to me like your cube is like that as well, where it's like seven. You know, I imagine it's kind of seven hundred odd cards or something like that, and. You know, you, it's really inconsistent what what you what you'll get in any particular draft or deck. No, I mean, it adds a lot of. When I say bad card, it's like you know cards that are okay, but there's so many good cards that you're realistically never gonna end up playing them. And then you have like all the really niche cards, but that lets you draft. You know, if you want to draft, you know, a dread return, you know, graveyard deck or an artifact deck or well, artifacts kind of tricky because then. Your opens just play cards like Fusion and Serenity, and you kind of get tricked. The artifacts you actually have heaps of like hate cards as well. That's great. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. Anyways, that's fun. That was a that was a great tangent. I'm sure Harry enjoyed it immensely. Uh, hey, Harry's been playing a bit of life too. He was the first one of us to to go back and play some live. I think. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you have I'm any like... plans to go play more live? Um. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going to Nottingham this weekend to play. Uh, I think I'm allowed to say Card Market sending me to Nottingham to do some recording, some like versus lifestyle videos. So All right. Going to be doing some no bandless modern and uh, normal modern. Sick. That's going to be great. Only, I only think there's going to be like two other people there, so social distancing and that. But it's going to be fun. That's going to be good. I'm. I'm not really planning to play much paper, to be honest. I don't have any cards. I don't have a cube. 
I was thinking maybe I'd play like limited GPs or borrow a good modern deck if, if that's possible. Maybe there's absolutely no chance that if a modern PD GP is around in like Europe or in or in the UK that you won't be able to source cards for that. I guess. What's the yeah. point of being on a world famous podcast if you don't use it to like, <laughs> borrow cards or whatnot? We'll see. We'll see. I don't know, but I think it's time for life on the line. Yeah. All right, yeah, let's let's do it. Okay, that's fine. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, for those new listening, don't know what life on the line is. It's a theoretical tournament tomorrow. If you win the event, you live. If you lose, you die. Got to bring a deck list from every format we talked about today, which is just modern, easy. I'm going to be bringing bank control with two FM rates. Just copy the list I've been playing on my stream. I've really liked it, feel comfortable with it, um, and I'm happy to die with it. All right, I'm going to play blue-eyed control. I was impressed. I don't think the meta is going to shift too much. And, you know, I'm going to add a few sweepers, probably Verdict, maybe even more sweepers after Cypher, honestly. Maybe Wrath of God to counter the Eldeg, the Itzuri, to regenerate from Itzuri. Okay. What about you, Pat? <laughs> okay, I'm, I think I'm just going to play Crashing Footballs. I'm going to break away from playing Murktide just because I, I want to I wanna trust in the fact that these footballs decks just consistently put up such good numbers and such good results. And it also seems to me that it plays a little bit in a style that I'm used to. It's kind of, you know, plays largely at instant speed, kind of basically a tempo deck with some, you know, essentially a nut draw capability. And yeah, let's let's go with that. I'm playing up here for footballs this week with four Furies in it. Okay. And Price is right. Have we done Fury before? I think we might have. I was thinking Archon of Cruelty. It is a mythic. I think we've done that one. I swear we've done that one. We've done Archon of of Cruelty? Really? Why would okay. we have done Archon of Cruelty? Yeah. Because uh, of all the episodes we talked about, um, the red one, the I swear of... we've only. The okay, thing? fine. Yeah. Let's do Archon. Let's do Archon. Right. Who should start the guess? Uh, I'll go first. I don't think I ever go first. I see it's a mythic. It doesn't see a ton of play. Modern Horizon 2, so the booster factor at like eight heroes, mythic. I'm going to go 15 heroes. Eight heroes. Eight. Oh, I'm gonna go with five. Wait, isn't a booster pack eight heroes? Yeah. You guys think a decent mythic from a set where booster packs are eight heroes are like not worth? Okay. I, think it's I don't know. Okay. Wait, you no, 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 no. Too, too late. Let's go. Oh, okay. There are a lot of good cards in this set. Yeah, that's true. Archon of cruelty. Let's go. Cheapest English is 280. Let's go. 280? <laughs> yeah. 280. Wow, I'm clueless. Yeah. Gab, Gab, the economics manager. Wait, I feel like we should take, like, like kind of the, the free cheapest one and eliminate it. Because, like, I feel like some of these cheap, it's kind of sketchy. Can you do, you could take the seven day average. <laughs> okay. But what's the seven second day point? average? Okay. 370. Wow, okay. Yeah. 30 day average, 360. Maybe we should do that though. The, the one week average. That's maybe like. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a better result than the cheapest available yeah. copy. Okay. All right, all you hear it here first. Two euros eighty. Get get your copies now before right. every every deck in the formats an arc on your cruelty. <laughs> that's right. Okay. Cool. On the from the fine folks at Magic Card Market. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, Gav, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, Twitter at Gavmasif. The hellhole that is Twitter and uh, Twitch twitch.tv slash yellowhats. Well, you can find me anywhere it's at HarryMTG. You can also find me streaming on Card Market in 40 minutes. And uh, yeah, Pat, where can you where can we find you? You can find me at the Gameskeeper in Oxford on a Friday night playing Friday Night Magic this weekend. Come on, easy. Okay, well, if you made it this far into this episode, huh? So I was just saying, celebrity Pat at the local. Oh. Has anyone recognized you yet, Pat? Absolutely not, and I'm appreciative of it. So don't oh, come okay. and say hello if you recognize me from Oi, okay. Wow, not, not, okay, fine. Whatever. Well, if you made it this far into this episode, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you, and uh, I guess we'll catch you guys next week. Later. Take care, everyone.